Sometimes we Pentecostals can be crazy folks. People roll their eyes at us, shrug us off, think that we've lost our mind. Let me ask you today, do you, do you have crazy faith? Do you have radical faith? For those of you that are new to Pentecost, if you grew up in Pentecost, you can appreciate this. Sometimes as a spirit leads, you do things different than what is normal. And when your faith is crazy, radical, you're desperate for divine intervention, you'll do whatever it takes. Sprinkled throughout the Bible, people did whatever it takes to get their miracle. In the New Testament, this is going to sound random. But next Sunday, I want you to bring your umbrella to church with you. Can y'all remember to do that? I'll have to remind y'all about two or three times this week. Don't forget your umbrella. Mark chapter 5. the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to talk about this crazy faith more specifically when faith reaches out Mark chapter 5 out of respect to God's word I should stand to your feet follow along with me beginning at verse 25 and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and it suffered many things of many physicians and it spent all that she had and was nothing bettered but rather grew worse when she had heard of Jesus she came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said if I may touch but his clothes I shall be whole straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. Now let me stop here and tell you when it says straightway that means immediately. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitudes thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all of the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, your faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy, your 
plague. Stretch your hand this direction if you would. One thing we Pentecostals do, we believe in praying in concert. And I want to hear you pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come come before you right now. There is a sense of expectancy that is in the atmosphere. And I know what you have directed for this day. So, Lord, I pray that all doubt would be removed from our mind, our heart, no matter what things have looked like to this very moment. I pray that our faith would be ignited and that we would be strengthened and that miracles would take place in the midst of your people. God, we give you the glory. We'll be careful to give you the praise. Lord, bring up, resurface somebody's radical faith in the house. It may have been dormant. It may have been something that has been lackadaisical, but God, today, stir up within the hearts of your people their crazy and radical faith. We ask you for these things. We believe you for these things. In the great and wonderful name of Jesus and the church said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. We often say it. We often need to be reminded of it, that our faith is the very bedrock of our Christianity. It was our faith in Jesus Christ that saved us from our sins and from eternal separation from God. Thank God for our faith. It is our faith that sustains us every single day that we live. We often need the reminder of what it is. Hebrews 11 and 1 gives the best definition that can be found. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We cannot afford to live by what we see in front of us or around us, or we will live in utter and perpetual and ultimately eternal defeat. The Word tells us that the victory over the world is our faith. The Word tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. Faith that saved us, faith that sustains us, and it is faith that creates a platform for you and I to receive our miracle. We are people of faith. And I'm convinced that there are miracles to be grabbed in the house of God today. I believe there are miracles that can be grabbed in the house of the Lord today. But it will depend upon your radical reach of faith. We see in the miracle before us, there is a crowd Wherever Jesus was, it wouldn't be too long before you would find throngs of people. Not by the tens or the hundreds, but literally by the thousands. If you will allow me to speculate for a moment as to why people 
would gather so much around Jesus. For truth, it's the same reasons that people gathered here today in the house of God. Some had feelings of admiration for Jesus. Hopefully, just like many of us here today, there were those that loved Jesus and adored Jesus and wanted to be wherever Jesus was. He had a hold of their heart. But then there were also those who were there because of curiosity, like short Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who climbed the sycamore tree. There are many that just want to investigate and inquire. Someone or something new is in town. Observers with no intention whatsoever to be transformed and changed. Much like Herod, the king of the New Testament, who just wanted to see a miracle. Motives were many as the many people gathered there and the crowd was thronging around and crowding in on Jesus. Let me divert here long enough to say that Jesus is always looking for those who are ready to leave the sidelines of curiosity and get on to the field of activity where the action's going on as you follow the Lord. You see, this is one race. This is one event. There is no second team. There is no designated hitters. There is no bench warmers. This is for everyone to be involved. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be part of the crowd that just watches the miracle and gets close to the fire. I want the blessing for me. I want everything God has for me. I was reminded this week that 500 people watched Jesus in Acts chapter 1 as he ascended to heaven. But only 120 went back to the upper room. As I do the math in my head, that means that 24% of the people that watched him ascend would end up going back to the upper room and experiencing the blessing and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit while 76% of the people missed out on the miracle and on the blessing. And so let me just challenge you today to quit being the casual observer and say, whatever Jesus has for me and whatever the cost, I am all in with and for my Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to just be part of the crowd. Amen. Well, one sure way to leave the crowd is to be the desperate woman that is before us. For sure there are times, as has happened all over this room, when situations arise and we're suddenly awakened to the need to move beyond the crowd and beyond the casual observer, to be in the one that is, that is radical and willing to do anything to get their miracle from the Lord. Let's look at her sickness for just a moment. I know you've heard probably many times this preached upon, but the Bible said she had an issue of blood. Mark called her disease a plague. And although there could have been a great number of reasons for this unusual flow of blood, it's widely embraced by most Bible scholars that the 12-year flow of blood was female-related and there was no cure that could be found. This disease, friends, was costing her everything. 
the social cost, for example, because of the flow of her blood. If she was married, she could not be close to her husband, and therefore there was no affection or intimacy in her life. Another of the social costs, she probably was not able to conceive or bear children. Or if she had children, there was no feeding them dinner at night or kissing their brow or tucking them in for the evening because of the ceremonial laws of the book of Leviticus. This woman, as a matter of fact, would easily be considered an outcast on multiple fronts according to the law. Leviticus 15 and 25 tells us, if a woman have an issue of blood, of her blood many days out of the time of her separation or her menstrual cycle, if it runs beyond the time of her separation, all the days of the issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her, of her separation. And the scripture says, she shall be unclean. She was not unclean five days out of the month. This was constant. This was ongoing and had been going on for 12 plus years. In Anything that she touched would be considered unclean. She probably had no friends that had anything to do with her. I imagine she was a very lonely person, a very isolated person. Not only was there social cost, but there was also spiritual cost. The spiritual cost, because of the flow of her blood, she could not enter the temple. She couldn't show up at the synagogue. She couldn't participate as other uh, Jewish men and women and young people did because of the flow of her blood. Could you imagine today if you came to the front door of the, of the church at Pulaski Church of God and you came to walk in and our head usher met you there, our head greeter, and they asked you to leave the house of God, that you're not welcome here today. That would be crushing for any and every single one of us. Some even went so far as to believe that when a woman had this kind of sickness and hemorrhaging, that it was judgment from God because of of immorality in her life. We have no proof of that. We have nothing to say that that was the case, but we do know that she had a serious, serious physical malady. So here she is. She's an outcast. She's not allowed to worship in the temple. She has the label of unclean. She's excommunicated. She's possibly divorced and ostracized from society. If there was social cost and spiritual cost, the scripture is very clear that there was also financial cost. If you look, she had wasted all of what money she had on doctors and physicians and specialists that had no answers and were probably cleaning her out for what little she had left. I mean, everything that she had had been taken from her. She had come to a place of desperation and so drained from her malady, malady, drained from the constant negative diagnosis in her life, drained from the finances that have been zapped from her, drained from the loneliness. If you've ever been in your life in a season of loneliness, you know how draining it can be a Upon you emotionally when friends and, and family are nowhere to be found and no one's giving you the time of day. And, and you see this is what has taken place. The social and financial and spiritual costs have been almost more than any normal human being would be able to handle. So we see the crowd before us and we see the woman uh, before us now. Let us look for a moment at the miracle before us. Uh, and let me just say this before I, I go any further. Some sitting 
sitting right here this morning. I know about some of the burdens you carry. I know about some of the burdens that are weighing heavy on you. Your pastor prays with you. He cries in, in private for you and begs God to bring a miracle. I know that many of you, and then there's those that I don't know what's going on in your life, and, and maybe you're a private person, and that's fine. But I guarantee you there are people sitting across this sanctuary this morning that are bearing some heavy burdens, that have one heartache after another heartache, and you can't seem to see the light of day. I want you to hear what the woman heard that day. What she heard that day was not that a big shot evangelist was in town running a miracle crusade. What she did not hear was that the government was getting ready to cut her a stimulus check. And by the way, we're probably now paying that back a year later from what we got last year. She did not hear about the stock market taking a turn or uh, the economy bouncing back. She did not hear COVID is over and that there is an answer once and for all for a pandemic. I want you to hear the same thing today that that woman heard that day after 12 long years of futility and depression and loneliness. This is what she heard. She simply heard Jesus Christ is in town. Jesus is in the neighborhood. Jesus is down the street. I've come by to tell somebody in the house today that Jesus is in this service and Jesus is here. And if you will reach out with your crazy radical faith and touch him, I believe you will receive your miracle today in the house of the Lord. I want you to hear the name Jesus. I want you to hear the name Jesus. For when you hear the name Jesus, you hear the word and you need your faith strengthened and the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Jesus is the word. The word is Jesus and when you speak his name it causes your faith to soar like an eagle. I wish somebody would shout the name Jesus right now from the top depths of your lungs. Jesus we need you today. You see, Jesus isn't passive when we reach out and touch him. That little woman said, I've heard about a man named Jesus, and no obstacle will keep me from receiving my miracle. He's the only hope I have left. The scripture says, and you read it, she pressed through the crowds that were thronging about him, nearly suffocating him. And she touched the tassel of his garment. And Jesus asked, who touched me? Oh, I just knowing a little bit about the personalities of those disciples, I imagine some of them responded with some sarcasm. Well, the crowds are all around you. And yet you ask the question, who touched me? But he said, there's something different about this touch. For with this touch, I, I felt virtue leave my body. Well, praise the Lord. With this, can I tell someone what Hebrews 4.15 says? For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. I'm telling you, when you reach out and touch him, his heart is touched with your plight. He cares. And it is high time, somebody needs to get this in your spirit, to leave the comforts and the concealment of the crowd and press through with your crazy radical faith. 
faith and receive your miracle in Jesus' name. No matter how far you've got to go, no matter the resistance that you may deal with, no matter the inconvenience, be radical with your faith and then have an attitude of expectation that as I have touched the Lord and I have reached out to touch him, he is touching me and I am changed forevermore. Now listen, just a few minutes, we're going to have a platform prayer line. That's right. In just a few minutes, I'm not done preaching, but when I give the invitation, I'm going to have you come over here to my left, come up them steps. Now people say, well, I don't navigate steps. Well, guess what? It's good news for you. All you got to do is slide out that door. And come right up a ramp, and we'll bring you right in that way. I'm, I'm excited. You can slide right up these steps. You can slide right out that door and come right up that ramp and come right through that door. But we're going to have a platform prayer line. We're going to move the pulpit. <laughs> you need physical healing. You need your marriage healed. You need emotional healing. You need relationship healing. You need healing from the past, what I'm here to preach to you. How desperate are you for your miracle? How radical are you willing to get? Now, in just a few minutes when I call for you, don't hesitate. you got a little time to ponder it now. But when I call for you, don't hesitate, because if you hesitate, you're questioning. And if you question, you might as well attach some doubt to it. You must believe. I do believe, but why the platform, preacher? Why can't we just do it down front? Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you why. You're taking the platform as a spectacle of your faith. I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take this pulpit. We're going to move it all the way back there. And I told the camera, the camera guys, to. I told Pastor Jeremy, I said, we get to altar service. I want you to zoom in. I want you to zoom in. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, sometimes I look at altar service and we look at it from the back and say, we go to the altar. And when I go back and look at it on Facebook later, they can't pick out my bald head. They can't pick out what I was wearing. It just looks like a conglomerate of people. But I'm telling you, it's time to get radical with your faith. We're not trying to make a spectacle of you, but we are trying to make a spectacle of your faith. You stay with me. Stay with me. You say, well, I don't know about that platform stuff, preacher. Why? Why do we need to do that? Because, number one, you need the united faith of your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you're going to have that. Number two, because you need to be unashamed of your complete dependence upon Christ for your miracle. This is equally as important. Now watch this. Number three, because your step of faith will inspire others people, other people's faith for their miracle. This is crazy stuff. I like it. I'm not done preaching. Don't go nowhere. And don't forget your umbrella next week. Hear your pastor now. Because you're about to get some revelation you never thought of. 
A man named Jairus has a daughter that is deathly sick. And she's been sick. Now she's 12 years old. Jairus had the joy of a daughter for 12 years. And for the 12 years he had his daughter, this woman suffered of her malady. You see, they were on their way to Jairus' house. When this miracle took place, Jairus was in the crowd when the woman said, Get out of the way, I'm going to touch the hem of his garment. Something else you need to understand is that Jairus was a synagogue leader. And yet this woman couldn't even enter the synagogue. Ooh, what kind of message was that sending? Everybody wants to talk about racism this and bigotry that. What Jairus witnessed not only inspired his faith, but he saw a woman... And no doubt he would have been opposed to her coming into the synagogue. He watched. Woo! He watched as her healing took place. He watched as Jesus called her daughter. Go and may you be made whole of your plague. He watched as he knew the next week in the synagogue she could show up for worship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. When he, his need, third, his need was very public. Her need was very private. And yet Jesus exposed it quickly. Why? He wanted to make her a spectacle of faith. He didn't want to make a spectacle out of her. I'm convinced that not only did she receive her miracle, but when she received her miracle, it brought glory to God and inspired Jairus concerning his 12-year-old daughter that was lying sick and dying at home. She told Jesus all the truth about the background behind her miracle. I believe Jairus heard every bit of it. I believe as he sat and he listened to her testify about how Jesus had just healed, I believe his faith began to soar. Well, if he can heal her issue of blood, he can raise my daughter back to life. Now, you have a choice to make. You can leave out of here and continue to wallow in self-pity. But I'm going to tell you, I need your faith. I need your faith. <laughs> and the only way that will happen is to watch you reach out in desperation for your miracle. And when I watch you reach out in desperation for your miracle, that will inspire me to reach out in desperation for my miracle. I am your gyrus. The person to your left is your gyrus. 
The person behind you is your Jairus. <laughs> There's something else the Lord showed me. That miracle happened in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. She reached out. She touched the hem of his garment. Watch. One chapter over, Mark chapter 6 and verse 56. Listen to what it says. And whithersoever Jesus entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Hallelujah! Well, praise the Lord. Is it possible? I'd say it's not only possible, I'd say it was probable that the miracle of the woman happened in Mark 5, 27. And I ask you today, is it possible that all the miracles of Mark 6, 56 happened because of what happened in Mark 5 27 is it possible that multitudes came and were laid close to where Jesus was and they weren't able to touch his hand and they weren't able to touch his leg but they reached out and caught just a touch of the tassel of his garment if it worked for the woman with the issue of blood certainly it will work for me You don't have to have his undivided attention. I'm sure the people are hearing. Just do what the woman did. Just, just touch his garment. Here's the truth. I've had all I can take. You're saying that. I must find the answer. The healing. The financial provision my family restored and no matter the scorn or the opinions of others I'm not here to be a spectacle but I am here to make a spectacle of my faith and when I reach out obstacles are not going to hinder me and when I reach out my virtue is going to come and when I reach out Others, you know, last summer when I was in all kinds of hot water in the county with the school board and with the LGBTQ community, man, my sermon, although doctored on Father's Day, got probably four or 5,000 views from enemies of the church and enemies of the gospel. So what I'm telling you today, and I pray it happens. <laughs> I want it to happen. <laughs> I hope you crazy Christians will go home and share it. Not just the message, but the altar service. Oh, we're not cutting it off when it's time for altar time to start. No, because you're part of the sermon today. You're part of the message today. I'm part of your miracle. You're part of my miracle. We're here to inspire one another. We're here to say, you know what? If the woman can reach out and touch Jesus, Jairus says, I can reach out and touch Jesus, and my miracle will come. <laughs> oh, Holy Ghost, help us today. There is a war that is waging right now in people's minds. You're sitting here saying this is unnecessary. You're saying 
You can simplify this. All this is not called for. I have a reputation to protect. And you can walk out of here still having the same problem you came in with. Or you can say, you know what? I'm sold out to Jesus Christ and I don't care who knows it. They can spread it all over the county. They can spread it all over the country. There's no doctor can help me. No family counselor can help me. No banker can help me. I'm desperate for a touch from Jesus. Are you going to continue to stay with the crush and the obscurity of the crowd? Or will today be the day that you make the contact of a soul in need? Come on, Tony. Listen to the word, not your pastor. Listen to the word. Signs and wonders follow them that believe. How desperate are you? I don't know if I've got it in me. Tough on my breathing. I came with a walker. I'm on a cane. I certainly can't navigate the steps. It's all right. There's something about the men know that we're here Tuesday night. We saturated this platform. In prayer for today, I said, Men, God's leading this service. He wants this platform to be a platform of faith. You've had a little while now. Settle it in your mind, James. Brother James, a couple of ushers are going to help me. It's very simple. We're going to come up these steps. And if you say, preacher, I can't navigate steps, I just want you to go out that door and come right up this hallway right here. It's very close. It's a very, very shallow ramp. Wouldn't it be something? Wouldn't it be something? If somebody had to use the ramp going up, but like the lame man at the gate called beautiful, they danced down the steps. It's on you now. Your choice. You ready? You ready to be radical? Crazy with your faith? Camera guys, don't forget me. I'm even moving my own pulpit. Camera guys, don't forget me. Go on, start coming. 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 Start coming.